in your Bibles this morning, John chapter number 15. John chapter number 15. Today's message is titled, is How to Bear Fruit in the Christian Life. We come to John chapter 15, we come to this famous passage, Jesus speaking specifically to his disciples on how to bear fruit. He gives the illustration of the vine, the true vine, and the branches and bearing fruit. It's very important we pay attention to the context of this passage of Scripture because this message is directly to the saved, it's directly to the disciples. And the Lord Jesus wanted to help them in the days that are ahead to have joy and to have love and to have the fruits of the Spirit. We come to John chapter 15 and we'll look together beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, I am the true vine and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire when they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. We come to this passage of Scripture, and I want you to understand something. When you study and interpret a parable or an allegorical section of Scripture. When Jesus says, I am the true vine, he's not meaning that he's grown bark all of a sudden. But he's painting a picture, he's putting a spiritual truth in clothing that we can identify and we can understand. We understand how a vine works. A vine is rooted and the vine draws its nutrients and the branch is connected to the vine and the branch produces the fruit. And the fruit is the byproduct of what the vine has offered the branch. A branch without the vine is dead and useless. But a branch that is connected to the vine can and will produce fruit. And so when we come to these passages of Scripture where we have these allegorical type things, if you try to spiritualize every word in this passage of Scripture, you're going to make a terrible mistake. If you try to spiritualize every word in the parables of the Lord Jesus, you're going to make a terrible mistake and you're going to do great injustice to the passage of Scripture. When we come to this passage of Scripture, we need to see what is the main thing. What's the main emphasis? And then when you see the main emphasis, you understand that the illustration is to help us understand the main point. So as we read through this passage of Scripture, 
there's a few things that jump off the page, one particularly. The Bible says in verse number 2, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Verse number 4, Abide in me, I and you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. Verse number 5, in the middle of the verse, he says, He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. The Bible continues with this fruit emphasis. The Bible says in verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. And then the scripture comes in verse number 9. And you'd want to think initially that verses 9, 10, and 11 may have nothing to do with the previous verses, but that's never the case. The Bible says in verse 9, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Now, this is an interesting verse. Because at first glance, I don't know about you, but at first glance, I don't see the connection. As a matter of fact, a lot of preaching has been done exclusively for verses 9, 10, and 11. And that's fine if it's in the context and Applied correctly, but I want you to understand something. There's an emphasis on fruit, so we need to be thinking about fruit and love. What does fruit and love have to do with one another? The Bible says in verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. And in verse number 11, These things have I spoken unto you. What things? The parable of the vine? Yeah, that. He says, these things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you. He says, I'm the, I'm the vine, remember? I'm the vine. And out of me, the vine, comes the things. If you remain in, my joy remains in you, that your joy might be full. Jesus says, I want you to understand something. As you abide in me, and I abide in you, as you are connected to me like a branch to a vine, you're going to bear fruit. What's the fruit? That's the big question. What's the fruit? Love. What's the fruit? Joy. As a matter of fact, if you keep your finger in John chapter 15 and turn over a few pages with me, the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians chapter 5, we see Jesus starts the list of the fruits of the Spirit. The Apostle Paul, in the inspiration of the Spirit of God, continues it. I want you to see what's at the top of Paul's list of spiritual fruit. Some people have the idea that spiritual fruit is like some result of ministry. And, and that's fine. It's, it's, it's a by, that's also a byproduct. But being a fruitful Christian does not mean that you've got someone walking the aisle every Sunday getting saved. I mean, I think that's good, but that's not the goal primarily. God produces that, but the fruit that the Bible's talking about, the Bible teaches us in chapter number 5 of the book of Galatians, verse number 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is, what's that first one? Love. What's the second one? Joy. What did Jesus start off in John chapter 15? What did he say? I want you to bear fruit. 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 I'm the vine. You're the branch. I want you to bear fruit. He says, I want you to have the same kind of love that I have. 
I want you to have the same kind of joy that I have. And I want my joy to abide in you. And I want your joy to be full. Where did he get that? Well, he's God. He got it from God. Where did Paul get his list? It started with Jesus. And it continues. The Holy Spirit has put it in his heart. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. What does God say he'll give us if we abide in him? Some things that are very crucial to our lives. Some things that bring great solace to our hearts. Some things that give us the ability to weather the storms of life. Some things that give us the ability to face the troubles of life. Some things that help us just to live life. Love. I'll just tell you something. If you're going to live life and you'll be around people, you're going to need a lot of love. You see, there's people around me that need a lot of love to be able to deal with me. There's people I'm around that I need a lot of love to deal with them. And that's how we work. And God says, I'll give you fruit to put up with that. Love. Joy. I love the word joy. Oh, what a wonderful word. Joy. You know, see, joy is not confined to circumstances. Joy is not confined to circumstances. Joy is something that God gives you. And the worst of the worst can be going on all around you. And God can give you a spirit of joy in your heart. And peace. There's a lot of people looking for love and joy and peace in all their own places. But peace. Think about that. How many of you think, boy, I'd like to have a little more peace? Well, we're getting ready to see some things from God's word about how to have peace. Long-suffering. How many of you say, i got a really short fuse? <laughs> then you're lacking some very special gifts that God wants to bestow on you. Long-suffering, gentleness, isn't that a good one? Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Oh, all these, we could spend so much time. But what I want to let you know is the Lord Jesus wants to produce fruit in your life. And the fruit he wants to give you is the spirit that we find in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit he wants to give you begins with love and joy. The foundation stones of the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy. I'll just tell you something. If you have a heart full of love and joy that God has given you, you're going to see people saved. If you have a heart full of love and joy, you're going to have peace in your home and your heart and your family. If you have love and joy that God gives you, you're going to be able to deal with the troubles that come your way. So the Bible teaches us that we can bear fruit in the Christian life. How can we bear fruit in the Christian life? May God help us as we study his word. John chapter 15. Father, we love you. We pray you'd bless the preaching of your word. Help me to honor you. Lord, help me be filled with your spirit. I pray that you would teach us from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, the main thing is fruit. And the fruit that God wants to produce in your life 
begins with love and joy. He says that your joy may be full. I love that phrase. That your joy may be full. And really, I love the word full. When you're full of something, that means you're controlled by it. And I want to be controlled. I want to be, I want to be moderated by joy. Joy. Let's look at a few things this morning from this passage of Scripture. Number one, the, spo- the source of spiritual fruit is the vine. The source of spiritual fruit is the vine. The vine is Jesus. And it's very important that we know where our spiritual fruit comes from. Where do these things we long for, love, joy, peace, being the top three in Galatians 5, where do they come from? They come from Jesus exclusively. The Bible says in verse 1, I am the true vine. You see that? I am the true vine. Now, I want you to understand something. That is so important that we understand what God's saying there. And Jesus looks at his disciples. He says, look, I'm the true vine. What's that mean? He says, I want you to know something. That there are vines out there that claim to do what I can do, but they're not the true vine. I'm the true vine. I'll just tell you, this is the most obvious thing ever in our culture. The world tells us that there are all kinds of things, all kinds of vines that will produce for us love, joy, and peace. In the matter of love, the world has sold a bill of goods to our society that love has taken on some perverse image. And if you'll embark and endeavor in the perverseness that the world has presented as love, then you'll be able to experience love. And you can be proud about it. I'm sorry to tell you, there's never been a person who embarked in sexual perversion and found real love because you can't have love without the true vine. You can have lust. You can have emotion. But Jesus says if you want to have true love, the kind of love that makes a difference, if you want to experience love, you can find it in me. I am the true vine. It's important. We pay attention to the source of spiritual fruit. Jesus says I am the true vine. Other sources say they produce joy, but they don't. Love, joy, perversion will not produce love. I'll tell you, things will not produce joy. Things will not produce joy. I'm all for vacation. It's vacation season. I don't let that get under my skin. Sometimes I've, I've grown up around preachers, and it's easy to let vacation season get under your skin because you're missing your people. <laughs> and that's okay. I'm all for vacation, but I want you to know something. A vacation does not bring you joy. Now, vacation may bring you distraction for a time. Have you ever been on vacation? Vacation was really fun, but then you got back home and was like, oh, man, it's terrible. The, the truth is, if you have joy when you leave for vacation, you'll have joy during vacation. You can have joy when you come back. But if you do not have joy Before vacation, you'll go on vacation. You may be distracted from some of your burdens, but you'll get back from vacation. And when your vacation is over, the distractions end, you still won't have joy. You know why? Because vacation has nothing to do with joy. Oh, you know, this is terrible. 
Golf has nothing to do with joy. Fishing has nothing to do with joy. You see, the world says, if you'll do this, you'll have joy. If you have this trip, you'll have joy. If you have this house, you'll have joy. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Now, those things in themselves are not wrong. But I'll just have you know something. If you are pursuing anything other than Jesus to have love and joy and the fruit of the Spirit, you are pursuing something that is wrong. You're pursuing something that cannot produce. You've made a God out of an image as opposed to the person of Christ who can give you real joy. To the single lady, marriage will not give you joy. To the married man, divorce will not give you joy. To the barren family, children will not give you joy. They're joyful and it's joyous. But that, those things and people and relationships and peace on earth will not give you joy. Have you ever been around somebody that everything can be going right and they're still not happy? I'll tell you why. They're not connected to the vine. Jesus is the true vine. Jesus is the true vine. I like what one of our nation's richest men said in regards to winning the lottery. He said, if you're happy when you win the lottery, you'll be happy after you've won the lottery. If you're not happy before you win the lottery, you will not be happy after you win the lottery. No true words have ever been spoken. Because there's no thing, activity, possession. There's no other vine that can produce fruit. The fruit that God's creation, God's man and women and boys and girls need. There's no vine that can produce the fruit that the Lord Jesus Christ can produce in your heart. It's sad that we pursue things, things in order to get what only God can give. All the massive amounts of wealth that has been spent and earned in the pursuit of happiness and joy, when all along Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. The source of spiritual fruit is the vine, Jesus. Look at verse 4. The Bible says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye, abide in me. I only understand something. We have to have the vine in order to bear fruit. The only way we can bear fruit is to abide in the vine. Abide in me, I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Have you ever seen a branch bear fruit of itself? It doesn't work like that. What happens when you clip the branch off of the tree? It withers and dies. If we separate ourselves from the Lord Jesus Christ, from his influence, then we make a mess. I'm not telling you that you're cutting yourself off of salvation. I'm just telling you that if we separate ourselves from the vine, if we lose the fellowship that the Lord Jesus wants to have with us in our hearts and lives, and we let fear and worry and doubts and laziness and sin put a divide between us and our vine, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
we cannot bear fruit. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And the Bible says, without the vine, you cannot bear fruit. What the Bible says, verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. That's a sweet thing right there. If you're connected to the vine, what do you get the opportunity to do? Much fruit. I don't know about you, but I want much fruit. I ain't lying. I ain't shy about it. A lot of joy, sign me up. A lot of love, sign me up. A lot of peace, sign me up. I want it. A lot of patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. I want it. I want much fruit. But the Bible says, for without me, ye can do nothing. Can I get it on my own? Nope. You can pursue and pursue and pursue and pursue any other source of fruit, spiritual fruit. And you'll never find it anywhere but in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the, sport, the source of spiritual fruit is the vine. The source of spiritual fruit is the vine. Number two, the sad reality of ungodliness. Let's consider this, number two, the sad reality of ungodliness. Now, when we come to this passage of Scripture, Jesus is talking to his disciples. So he's not talking to lost people. He's not talking to people who are, have been saved and then are going to be cut off from the family of God. If we take that approach from this passage of Scripture, we, mis- we misinterpret and misapply. But I do want you to understand something, that there is a work that God is doing in regards to ungodliness. Go with me in your mind to Psalm 1. If you don't have it memorized yet, that's no problem. I'd encourage you to do so. But Psalm 1 is a very famous passage of Scripture. The Bible says in Psalm 1 that if we will... Stay away from sin. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. The Bible just says something about being blessed, happy, joyful. And the way we do that is we stay in God's word and away from sin. The Bible says that that blessed man is like a tree. He's strong and productive and he has the fruit of the Spirit. And then the Bible says, but the ungodly are not so. I love that word ungodly. I don't love its consequences, but I love the truth in the word ungodly. What's that mean? Does that mean ungodly has to mean lost going to hell? No. Ungodly just simply means without regard to God. Without regard to God, it is so possible to get saved and live an ungodly life. Where you just live life without God. It's possible to be saved, attend church on Sunday, and have a pretty godly day. It's been a pretty godly day today. I've been trying my best to listen to the Lord and abide in the vine and Pay attention to what God has for me today. I've been, you know, God's helped me today. It's been a good day. I've, I've submitted my will and I've been able to, with God's help, to crucify my flesh and 
I've had a pretty godly day today. It's possible to wake up the next morning and start off on the wrong foot and have an ungodly day. Where you didn't take time to read God's word and pray. Where you didn't allow the Lord to lead you as you reacted and responded to the issues of the day. Where you didn't let God give you wisdom to react to situations the right way, to say the right things. An ungodly day. I want you to know, so here's the difference. How many of you have ever had a godly day? Would you raise your hand? Praise the Lord for them. Have you ever had an ungodly day? Yeah, me too. The difference is, on a godly day, I am regarding God. On an ungodly day, I'm not regarding God. And I want you to take a godly day and an ungodly day, and I want you to understand something. A godly day produces fruit. A godly day is something that is useful for you and other people. A godly day is joyful, lovely. An ungodly day, in contrast, is wasted. It's wasted. And so when the Lord in John chapter 15 is talking to his disciples, he says, I'm the true vine, my father is the husbandman. He says, look here, boys. You have an opportunity to live a life that is full of fruit or a life that's wasted. The sad news is it's easy to come to an ungodly day and then another ungodly day and then another ungodly day and another ungodly day and an ungodly month and an ungodly year. And it's very possible on a Sunday morning in the early service at Chilhowee Baptist Church that you're here and you've lived the last year ungodly. Does that mean you're going to hell? If you're saved, I would say no. But it's possible to live days and weeks and years and years without giving regard to God. And the great loser is you and the people around you that could benefit from your fruit. And I'm telling you, if you're a father on Father's Day, and you've just let the routine of life drive you away from God, and you're making decisions that you know do not please God, and you're saying things that do not please God, and you're going places that do not please God. I just want you to understand something. You have removed yourself from the vine. And you may be pursuing hard for things that will make you happy, but you're never going to find them there. You see, the sad reality of ungodliness is that when you step away from God, you remove yourself from the vine, and you're taken away. The opportunities go away. The blessing fades away. The Bible says in verse number 2, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. He taketh away. There's a removing. Have you ever noticed in your backslidden condition that it's easier to be backslidden today than it was yesterday? It's easier to be backslidden the next day than it was three days prior. You see... There's a taking away. 
The Bible says in verse 6, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. What's, what's the benefit of the branch that has been pruned from the vine? I had the opportunity for many years to pastor in Henderson County, right? On the Henderson-Buncombe County line in North Carolina, there's lots of apple growers there. And one thing that is going on on an apple farm, an apple orchard, all the time is pruning. Uh, I thought it was amazing. There were two men that worked for this particular apple grower that all they did, 40 hours a week, 50 one or 50 weeks a year. I think they got one or two weeks vacation. 40 hours a week, 50 weeks a year. Guess what they did? They pruned apple trees. Now, I can't imagine. God had to make somebody special for that job because I would go nuts. You'd have to have the fruit of the Spirit in order to be able to have that job, wouldn't you? Can you imagine every day getting up, taking your ladder and your little snippers? And that's what you do every day. But that's what it takes. Now, so you prune the apple trees, and you've got these big lots of brush, and it's pretty neat how they do that. They've, the, the, brush, the, the pruner just drops the brush where he's at, and then they've got a rake that's kind of like a hay rake that comes along and rakes it in a windrow in the middle between the rows of trees, and then they take a grapple-type thing, and they push it up in great big piles. I've said all that to say this. What is the value of the branch that has been disconnected from the tree? None. None. You see, that branch that's disconnected from the tree is that worthless part. It's identical to what the Bible says in Psalm chapter number 1. The ungodly are not so, but like the chaff. You remember the chaff? The chaff is the peeling on the outside of the grain of wheat. What's the peeling worth? Nothing. If you peel a banana, what do you do with the peeling? On the count of three, tell me. One, two, three. Throw it away. And the picture here is one that's very plain. If you're separated from the vine, look, you're worthless. You're worthless. You're worthless. Not only are you worthless, but you're doomed. I'm not saying doomed to hell's fire. The Bible says that it's worthless. It's, it's, it's cast away. It's put somewhere and burnt. Worthless and doomed. The Bible says that the chaff, the peeling, that the wind drives away in Psalm 1. What's it mean? The peeling, it just goes, it just blows away. It's worthless and it's doomed. What are you doomed to? You're doomed to a life of no peace, a life of no joy. You're doomed to a wasted existence. So, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. I've earned this, and I've earned that, and I've earned this, and I've earned that, and I've earned this, and I've earned that, and I've given, and whoa! You're getting sucked into the world's vine. You see, the sad reality of ungodliness is that you're cast forth, withered, and burned. It's a life wasted. It's a life wasted. The Bible says it like this. What does it profit a man 
He gains the whole world and loses his own soul. A little different application, but the truth is godliness is profitable. And ungodliness is a waste. The sad reality of ungodliness. Finally, number three, the sweet fruit of abiding. The sweet fruit of abiding. The Bible says in verse 2, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. You see that? But that's not all. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Here's one of the sweet fruits of abiding. Guess what God does? This may not seem so sweet at first, but if you abide with Christ, guess what he does? If you stay in the body, guess what he does? He purges you. How many of you love a good purging? I'm not talking about closets. I'm talking about when you have to deal with something. When there's that cutting away of the flesh. When there's that struggle. How many of you love that? I don't love it. How many of you love the byproduct of a good purging? Yes. You see, the Bible says that those that the Father loves, He chastens. And God's working on us. He's working in us. He's purging us. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. I'm thankful. It's one of the fruits. It's one of the byproducts. It's one of the sweetness having the fruit in a relationship with Christ, he's working to make us better. Aren't you glad Jesus wants to make you better? When you start to get uncomfortable in your situation, just thank God that he's working to make you better. The sweet fruit of abiding, purging. Verse number 7, praying. The Bible says in verse number 7, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Now that's sweet, isn't it? If we ask in God's will, we get answers for our prayers. It's sweet to abide with the Lord. He says, I'll bless you. I'll help you. I'll be with you. The sweet fruit of abiding. Verse number 8. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. The sweet fruit of abiding is pleasing the Lord. When we abide in the Lord, we please Him. And the Bible says in verse number 11, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. One of the sweet fruits of abiding with Christ is that your joy might be full. Isn't it sweet to know the Lord? Now, it leaves one question How do I abide? How do I abide? I want the fruit of the Spirit. How do I abide? You imagine yourself hanging on to the vine with white knuckles. <laughs> That's not how it works. How do I abide? The Bible says in verse number 3, you look at it with me. Jesus speaking to his disciples, he said, Ye are clean through the word which I have spoken. He said, now look. You guys right now are clean to the word I've spoken. It's the word. The word makes a difference. Look at the Bible says in verse number 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will. It's my words. Verse number 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment that ye love one another. Where's the abiding? It's found in the word. 
It's found in the Word. Do you know what happens when you spend time in the Word? When you abide in the Word of God? Do you know what happens? You become a lot like it. You become a lot like it. Ruth and I were married 18 years ago. And when I found her, she was from Indiana, Indianapolis, Indiana to be specific, a very city girl. As a matter of fact, she had this really cute Midwestern accent. She said, I had an accent. I thought she had an accent. And we'll see whose accent stood the test. So we got married 18 years ago. When we got married, she talked like she was from Indiana. But it wasn't long after she started hanging around me that she started to pick up some of the things that I said and some of the way that I say it correctly, by the way. And over the course of 18 years of abiding with me, she finally speaks the language of heaven. It's so funny because even 10 years ago, she'd go home and see folks she went to high school with, and she'd open her mouth and start talking to me like, what happened to you? And I can tell you, she said, I've been abiding with me. It wears off on you. It, it becomes part of you. You see, what you abide with is what you become. I'll just testify. I actually listened back a few years ago to a message I preached. I was preparing to preach another message in the same text. and I listened to a message I preached, and I listened to myself preaching when I lived in North Carolina in comparison to the way I sound today. You know what's happening to me? My accent is getting thicker and thicker and thicker, and it's your fault. But it's worth it. I'm happy to be abiding with you. Because when you abide with somebody, guess what happens? You become like those you abide with. And so the Bible says, if you'll abide with me, Jesus speaking, if you'll abide with me, the true vine, if you'll abide with me through my word, guess what? You're going to talk like me. You're going to think like me. You're going to act like That's something that's been fun about being married now for 18 years. We think a lot alike. There are times we go down the road and we know exactly what each other's thinking about. We test it every now and then. It's fun. But when you abide with Christ through his word, you talk like him, you think like him, you act like him, praise the Lord. You react like him. You have his perspective on trouble. You have his spirit about difficulty. You abide with him. And you know what happens when you react to life God's way? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. You get the point. You see, the Bible teaches us very plainly that we can have the fruits of the Spirit. How to bear fruit in the Christian life, I'll just tell you. Abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. It's so wonderful. That's why we have church services and Sunday school. That's why we encourage you to spend time every day in God's Word, putting the right things in your heart. Why? 
because we're striving to abide in Christ. Oh, it's wonderful. Now, you can't work to be saved. For by grace are you saved through faith. But I'll tell you something. You can work at abiding. And it's a blessing to be able to pursue the Lord. And when we pursue the Lord, we have the promise that we can bear fruit in our Christian life.